if if you compromise your art and you're using, you know, inexpensive or you know newsprint, for argument's sake, you know, don't work on a paper that you know in ten years is going to turn yellow. You don't want to do right. that. Make sure that the papers are totally archival. There's so many different products in 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 our line that that you know you can sample and try, and, and that's the and that's the whole key. Yeah. Try a bunch of different products for your style mm-hmm. and for your hand, because everybody's different. Yeah. And 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 John, I'm sure it's true when when you use colored pencils. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that you found a a color range that you like. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's so many different brands out there that I'm sure you've tried them all. Yeah, unfortunately, you tried them all. Yeah, I've got I think hundreds, the artist yeah. owes themselves they they're doing themselves a disservice by not experimenting with a total. I'm not saying twenty or thirty. Find yourself a half a dozen different substrates or surfaces yeah. that you feel good about, and you can get them all for me. I mean, mm-hmm. and try them out and see what works best. Right. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Face Value Course, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course. Have you been frustrated trying to draw portraits in colored pencil? Do you want to draw people confidently and accurately, but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're just tired of copying another artist's line drawing. I get it. The Face Value course, now in its fourth year, will give you the tools you need to create your own original portraits. You'll be given a step-by-step system for independent decision-making, bite-sized exercises, and live weekly office hours interaction to keep you accountable. Enrollment for the course is still open, and there's still time for you to join the 2021 cohort. Just go to the show notes for the link before enrollment closes. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. What makes it different from other sanded papers? One thing is the way that the grain is applied to the paper. There is an electrostatic charge that pulls the grain up towards the paper and is applied from the bottom up. Why does that matter? Because it's an even distribution of the grain to the paper. And so you can have very fine grains, like an 800 grade on the paper, a very velvety kind of touch to the paper. If you've never tried UART sanded paper before, then go over to the show notes, click on the link, and there are seven different grades to choose from. It comes in a beige and a dark, comes in sheets, pads, rolled and mounted boards. And we thank UART sanded paper for their support of the Colored Pencil Podcast. We also get support from Amazon Music Unlimited, and we're talking about more than just a music service here, guys. For example, you can stream the Color Pencil podcast on your Amazon Echo device through Amazon Music. So it features 70 million songs and thousands of expert program playlists and stations. All of this is available ad-free. So to activate that free trial, just go to getamazonmusic.com slash sharp welcome to sharpened artist a colored pencil podcast weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much hey there welcome back to the show my name is john middick of sharpenedartist.com this is the sharpened artist colored pencil podcast i'm excited to welcome my guest today i'm going to be talking to michael ginsberg so Michael is so are you the you're the founder of uh, uh, Legion it, it, Paper? You're the CEO? What are you? Co-founder. Co-founder. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I understand it's pretty relatively new company. 1994 is when uh, that's you relatively and, new. God, I mean, we're doing it 27 no? years, John. Okay, uh, no, 20, <laughs> it's a but it's a paper years. company. Okay, okay. What what about <laughs> no, the history? The truth, before, the truth of the matter uh-huh. is, John. I mean, the truth yeah. of the matter is, um, you know, Len and I started the company in '94 without uh-huh. a doubt. But my experience and my background with art papers goes all the way back to 1970. Okay, I mean. You know, when okay. it was, yeah. you know, Crestwood Paper Company, then it became A&W Crestwood Paper Company, and then mm, Len and okay. I <clears throat> joined forces, and we, we created Legion, L.E., Levine, G.I.N., Ginsburg, and we threw an O in to make oh, it legal. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay, yeah. that's where yeah. that comes from. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and so what was the primary goal then, whenever you guys started out uh, well, with the company? Y- y- the primary goal was... To listen to the market, really listen mm-hmm. to the market and, you know, bring in product that the market really was desiring. I mean, I mean, there was so many voids and holes in the marketplace, you know, Such especially, as. On, especially on the domestic side, you know, uh-huh. not only the international side. I mean, we, you know, we had mills like Arjo Marie, we had mills like Fabriano and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but in the United States, no one really exploited all the capabilities of some of the domestic manufacturers to make quality 100% cotton fiber paper. Okay. You know, but I did. I mean, I found, you know, that, that's how Stonehenge was created in 1971. Okay. 1971. My God. Yeah. It's a long time. Gunpowder. <laughs> Has there been uh, a lot of, let's, let's talk about that paper in particular then, yeah. since you brought it up. That's one of the favorites of uh, color pencil artists, as you may know. Uh, has that paper, the production of that paper, changed any through those well, you years? You know, it's, it's really interesting because <clears throat> when I created that paper, I really didn't create that paper for colored pencil. Right, right. What, no, what did paper, you create it for? That paper was created for printmaking. Right. That was a okay. printmaking grade because sure. when I started the company or when I was, well, it wasn't Legion at that time. It was A&W. It was Crestwood Paper Company. I did not have access to the arch mill, which meant uh-huh. that I didn't have arch cover. <clears throat> I right. didn't have Reeves BFK. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any of those really exotic deluxe mold made papers. So I said, you know what? This is crazy. Let me find a mill domestically in the United States that had the ability to replicate as best as they possibly could on a on a machine on a Ford Dunia machine that um, would you know look like a mold made paper and perform like a mold made paper. Okay. So um, found the mill, and 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 as I mentioned to you earlier, John, it was not just. It was not just flip a switch and yeah. boom, you know. I mean, <clears throat> this was trials and trials and trials. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many machines worldwide I slept next to. I mean, you know, in the middle of the night. I mean, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, look, it's not an exact science. It's not an exact science, but it's not an easy process. And it's, and it's literally, if a mill has the capability or the machinery uh-huh. to produce what I want, it's an education. I mean, I have to really handhold a little bit, educate them a little bit, tell them what my characteristics are, tell them what I'm trying to achieve, and most importantly, tell them the market that I'm trying to go after. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the case of Stonehenge, and it to your point, it has changed a little bit over the years because originally 
when it was for a printmaking paper in 1977, in 71, 72, uh-huh. I didn't want to have a lot of surface sizing on it. Mm-hmm. Because for printmaking, <clears throat> when you wet the paper, you want, and, 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 your, and the paper is damp when you're printing in, say, in right. Taglio, that, that surface has to be receptive to ink from a, from a printing press. Okay. From an etching right, press. Right. Yeah, sure. For, for colored pencil, which, Obviously, Stonehenge has moved along, and then I added a little bit more surface sizing to it, made it a little bit more suitable, a little bit better holdout for wax-based pencil, for water-based pencils. It's amazing how, you know, the colored pencil market and the society in general, you know, has embraced this grade over the last, my God. uh, Yeah. It's got to be easily 20, you know, 25, as long as Legion has been in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. So a uh, little more sizing has been added to the uh, top surface of the paper. Right. What about differences between the large single sheets and the pads themselves? Are there changes with that or are they different? That seems uh, to be something that you know, comes up often. Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, because the volume was so great, you know, on mm-hmm. Stonehenge as a, as, just as a product. Yeah. We had to have more than one manufacturer make this for us. You know, here in, in the States. Um, as a result of that, on some of my colors, mm-hmm. like craft, like right. black, right. like gray, um, maybe cream. Okay. Yeah. You may have a little bit of, of a two-sided, two-sidedness to it, a little bit more texture on one side and smooth on the, on, on the right. good side. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, the recipe has always been the same. Okay. I mean, from the very, very beginning of time, way back to 1970, I haven't really, except for adding a little bit more surface sizing, John, I haven't really not changed this paper at all. Okay. Added okay. some colors. You know, we added craft. Yeah. You know, craft, which has become, you know, popular with a whole bunch of different people. I mean, I think I did a uh, a webinar with Wendy Hollander, who's uh-huh. a botanical artist. Okay. And she takes that craft and some of the things she puts down on it are just unbelievable. unbelievable. Oh, very cool. Yeah. We'll look her and, up and put her in the show notes. Um, it's a very dark paper. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting how it came about. Somebody challenged me, John. Uh-huh. Somebody said to me, Michael, uh, I bet you can't do this. I said, well, what can I do? I said, I want <laughs> you to, I want you to match a supermarket shopping bag. Uh-huh. That's what it looks like. We okay. want a, we want a really funky industrial looking product. Yeah. But we want it to be 100% cotton. Uh-huh. So what did I do? I, I went to a supermarket. And you know when you're talking about those type of industrial papers, especially craft paper that are used for supermarket bags or grocery you know, sure. shopping bags. Right. Colors are very, very inconsistent from you know bag to bag, oh, you right. know, market to market, whatever. Yeah. So I sent the mill a variety of different colors. And I said... Let's let's fool around with this, and you tell me which one of the craft papers I'm sending you is going to be easier for you to manufacture. Mm-hmm. And we came away with, you know, I I obviously made the ultimate decision. We came away with craft, you know, mm-hmm. craft Stonehenge, mm-hmm. and uh, very po- very popular, really popular. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, did, yeah. I didn't know uh, botanical artists would uh, would would use well, that you know, too much. We'll have to check ta- that out, John. If you take a look at some of yeah, her yeah. work, some of Wendy's work uh-huh. on the craft, you know, with la- with purples and lavenders. Okay, okay. 
unbelievable, yeah. really phenomenal. Cool. But look, the truth of the matter is, I mean, white, uh-huh. warm white, yeah. natural. Those are those the most are popular. The, those are the three most popular shades. Yeah. The, yeah, and that makes sense. Okay. I, I want to talk a little bit more about how you get to an alkaline, a very pH neutral uh, base for paper. And I want to go into the weeds just a little bit on that. Um, but before we do that, you know, you know a lot about paper making. Uh, you have a little well, I'm, unfair I'm not, I'm advantage not, I'm, here. I'm not a machinist. Yeah, I no, don't, but no, but you, but you know, but a, know lot a little more, bit about it. Yeah, you know a lot more than I do or my audience does. And so the question I have is, what is it that we don't know as fine artists or even illustrators now? that you know about the papermaking process. You mentioned that it isn't just this quick turnaround kind of time. What is it that we don't know that maybe we should know? Um, well, I, you know, what I originally said to you is that it's not an exact science. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, so I, what you know, do you mean by that? I mean, how... Well, I, I mean, it's not an exact science. I mean, you can literally have... I mean, I, you know, from time to time, I'll speak to artists and they'll say to me, you know, Michael... um, this paper's not the same. You know, the Reeves paper, you know, the yeah. Osh cover, right, you know, right. even Stonehenge. I mean, it's changed a little bit. Well, yeah. guess what? I mean, you can literally in a run, even though it's all, you know, computerized with mm-hmm. scanners across the machine right. and, you know, and they're, and they're testing for basis weight and they're testing for, uh, color and right, they're testing right. for caliper. Uh, you will get variances within a run. Yeah. You'll get variances with the run. Now, that. having said that, the guys that are running the equipment at the mill periodically will take off what they call tear sheets, mm-hmm. and they will match them up against what we call a standard for manufacturing. Now, what okay. is a standard? Standard is when you first started out, I had a standard for every single part of that Stonehenge range. Uh-huh. And the mill, it was up to the manufacturer to match that standard as close as they possibly can. Now, having said that, there's always variances. There's going to be what they call tolerances. Right, right. Tolerances for surface, yeah. tolerances for color, tolerances for weight. How, but, how much of a tolerance uh, um, variable are we talking about? Like, I, I would say that. probably there's about a, a 3% tolerance. Okay, probably yeah. in any area. You know, I don't know the exact numbers. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That makes know, but, sense. Uh, enough so, you know, look, <clears throat> the mill has it down to to uh, to a point where if they feel that it goes beyond the tolerance factor, yeah. they'll reject the run. Right, right, right. And, of, and when I the, get it and when mm-hmm. I get the paper, I get every single manufacturing, whether it be an item that I stock or whether it's a special making, I get an outturn, what they call an outturn, which uh-huh. is a production sampling of that particular manufacturing, I get a sample from the mill. I look at it uh-huh. and I evaluate it. Right. I analyze it and I say, good to go. Okay. Good to go. And Thousands of papers. So how how big is a production run? It's got to be huge then. Well, my Stonehenge runs are, you know, I mean, you know, carload quantities, you know, 30, 30 40,000 pounds at a time. Yeah. So how many runs uh, per year? That's one run. That's one. That's a run. Uh huh. But I, you know, that's not. I mean, I run. I run it often. I mean, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just one run, and it lasts me for the year. I mean, we'll have we'll have production runs that are very very sizable. You're a pretty busy guy, then. 
<laughs> but, I'm, but I'm not. I'm not the one who's making it. I'm the one who created it, and uh, you're approving it. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm approving. That, that it. sounds That's like true. a ton of work. Still, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Interesting. But I'm still having fun doing it, John. <laughs> well, good. Uh, awesome. All right. Yeah, it's one of my favorite papers. Stonehenge is. If uh, if you're listening today, then you're uh, not surprised by that. Well, I was going to ask you, what do you like about it? Several things. I like how spongy it is. It's uh, something that some artists don't care for, but I, I like that feel, that tactile feel of touching the point of the pencil to the paper, and it just kind of, it just kind of melts together. Yeah, it's uh, not especially. hard. It's not a hard surface. Yeah, especially if you've got a very soft wax-based pencil, that that feel uh, of of just applying that first layer. Just feels so good. Uh, that's and you one also of the like the like fact, and, uh, and I'm not putting words in your mouth. You also like the fact that the paper takes an enormous amount of layers. It's the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, um, I can keep layering for you know forever. I mean, I, I've heard people say, "Oh, I can get thirty, fifty layers," and and that's wow. that's no joke. You know, on wow. uh, on those large sheets, um, yeah. you know, white. Stonehenge paper. I love it. Doesn't fit everyone's personality style or their temperament whenever they're wanting to create something quick. Although I have seen some color pencil artists render very quickly on Stonehenge as well. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART Premium Premium sanded paper, and we thank UART for their support of the Color Pencil Podcast. You're a colored pencil artist, and you've got just about every colored pencil that there is, except for that one. And you're wondering how this color compares to the actual pencil line that you have. Now, some colored pencil artists like to create these huge charts. I don't do that. I don't have the patience for it. Well, I've got good news if you're like me. Someone else has created these charts for you. There is a color pencil conversion and comparison chart. Thanks to KarenHallArt.com. This is a 62-page PDF booklet that you could download. And you can get updates as she updates it. She just updated it with the brand new Karen Dosh Luminance colors. It's got the Derwent Lightfast pencils in there as well. How would you like 20% off? Just go to the show notes or use SharpArt20 at checkout. John, and I have to throw this out because it, it, it always comes up in conversation, especially with watercolor uh, and, and colored pencil as well. We're talking about very subjective mediums. Right. You know, you hold your pencil a certain way. Yeah. Your style is a certain style. Right, right. I mean, the person next to you, the person... You know, that, you know, is, is in a, just another watercolorist, another, oh, yeah. you know, colored pencil society artist. Right. Their style could be different. Oh, the, yeah. The way they hold the pencil could be different. The yeah, amount definitely. of pressure that they apply could be Absolutely. different. Absolutely. Yeah. The pencil that they're using could be different. It could be a prismacolor. The way they sharpen it, even. It could yeah. be the way. Yeah. Does, you know, the so angle when I, when, of the pencil to exactly. the paper. Exactly. Yeah, so when I talk changes. about subjectivity, mm -hmm. I talk about, you know what? Stonehenge. 
it's great that it found it's it found another home, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of the colored pencil market right, and the right. colored pencil artist. But is it for everybody? Not necessarily. Well, no paper is. I mean, it's just like a constant thing that uh, many artists they're they're always hopping papers. You know, if you find a few though that you love, you just kind of stick with it. <laughs> Stonehenge I, I, I has totally been one agree. of those for me. I totally so. agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Has there been any big changes as far as the introducing of acid into the production of making the paper? Um, any of, uh, you know, getting that back to a balance? Uh, anything with that that you can tell us? Paper is uh, totally acid-free. Mm-hmm. Totally acid-free. Now, you know, your viewership has got to realize also that, you know, when, when a paper is made out of 100% cotton, guess what? Mm-hmm. Don't visualize that little puffy, you know, white ball, you know, <laughs> right. you know, and think, wow, my paper's made out of that. Wow. It's beautiful. Look at that fluffy, <laughs> nice cotton, you know, you know, no wonder the paper's so soft. Guess what? That's not what paper's made out of. That, that piece of fluffiness goes to the garment industry, goes to the clothing market. Mm-hmm. What the... Well, you may have heard the expression, well, cotton linters, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cotton linters. Now, what is a cotton linter? A cotton linter is literally the the husk that surrounds the seed of a cotton plant. Mm -hmm. And I'll share this. That's the burr. Exactly. They call that a burr down south. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, what's really interesting is that the most valuable part of a cotton plant Mm -hmm. is not... Not the fluffy part. Mm-hmm. The most important part is the seed of the cotton mm-hmm. plant. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's an, it's an amazing. It goes into the medical industry, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical industry. It goes into the, God knows. I mean, it just, it, it's just so crucial mm. component of a cotton plant. Okay. That should clear up a, a lot because people have this misnomer that they think, oh, wow, you know, fluffy white cotton. Wow. I'm, that's no wonder the paper's so soft. Has nothing to do with it. Has nothing to do with the manufacturing at all. Unless, of course, we're talking about cotton fiber papers that are made from the recycled or the recycling of garment, mm-hmm. of cotton garments. Yeah. Then it's an entire, then you know that the recycled fiber mm-hmm. is probably from that, you know, from that fluffy white part. fluffy part. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. The cotton itself. So yeah. the linters then, let me just make sure that we're clear here then. So the, the linters are what? The linters is the husk. Uh-huh. It, it's the cellulose fiber that's in, in the husk that's, surrounding the seed of the cotton plant. Yeah. So it, it's, and then, it's and, that very delicate. There's not very many seeds in a cotton no. plant either. I grew up around cotton, so I remember taking oh, really? them apart wow. as a kid. But yeah, there, and it's a real different kind of texture when you get close to that seed. So that's but it's what, refined. Yeah, you got to you got to yeah, know it's it all refined, refined. Yeah. and it's it's made it's 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 well, pure. It it's not acidic. Um, it's cleaned. Yeah, I mean um, there is acid introduced into the paper making process, right? But then, isn't that correct? Early on, er, I mean very every early paper, on, I would think. Yeah, right? very early yeah. on. Yeah. But it, yeah, but but John, it, it's not. And I, I I use the analogy when I when I talk to the, to uh, to artists, and I say. You know, my Stonehenge is acid-free. Yeah. It's lignin-free. Now, what mm. does lignin-free mean? Lignin, I'll give you an analogy. If you take any periodical, whether mm. it be the New York Times or whether it be the Chicago Herald or whether it be the Miami Herald or whatever, and you put it outside 
Well, you don't even have to. You just leave it stand, you right. know, for a period right. of time. What what color does it turn? Yeah, it turns a yellow. Yeah, turns yellow. Right. So what is what is happening within that sheet? Mm-hmm. It's the the lignin, the acid, right, that is right. literally eating into the fiber and mm-hmm. destroying it, mm-hmm. destroying it. And Stonehenge, as a matter of fact, I will share with you all of my papers from Legion, all mm-hmm. of my papers, and all the papers, obviously, that I've created, right, are totally lignin-free papers. Okay, totally lignin-free papers. Okay, acid-free, without a doubt. Yeah, and a lot of them are buffered you know we talked about mm-hmm. buffering we talked about calcium carbonate you brought up the word alkaline mm-hmm. um i would say that stonehenge probably has a ph reading of 7.2 7.3 oh, okay. so it's got buffering in there yeah yeah so but so you're not using like um a colorant or a brightener that would sacrifice the longevity, like o- the archival. You mean like yeah, an optical yeah, brightening exactly, agent? Exactly. Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. And by the way, mm-hmm. by the way, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, they talk about. You know, they they talk about. Is a paper? Is this paper light fast, Michael? Is this paper color fast? I'll say, well, yeah, it is. I mean, but. <laughs> There's there's a little bit of a disclaimer there because okay. I, I will tell you I don't care if any paper you know brags about the fact that it's you know it's light fast and it's right. color fast and it's not going to change color if you expose it to UV light right. you put that piece of art in in UV ex- exposure or yeah. in, in the window in a window exposed to sunlight right I don't care how light fast that paper is it will change color. Mm-hmm. It given, given enough time with enough exposure oh, to UV, yeah, absolutely. Which, which is one of the reasons why, John. If, if you, if, and I say this to your, you know, to your, to your folks, yeah. If you value your art, mm-hmm. bear the expense of, and you're framing it, bear the expense of you of using UV plexi or UV glass, right, right. And of course. You know, 100% cotton fiber board, you know, as opposed to a wood pulp board. Or sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All of my papers were made to stand the test of time. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's basically, longevity is crucial. Right. Crucial. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, you know, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. I mean, look, you know, I've gone to shows, um, you know, art shows. I mean, mm-hmm. countless art shows, you know, right. God, I, you know, over the last <laughs> 50 years, uh-huh. a few, if you will. Right. You know, Warhol, when he was doing his, his, take the Marilyn Monroe piece that he did. He, the paper that he put this on, Marilyn Monroe's piece, Mm -hmm. was not an archival acid free sheet. I don't doubt that. (laughs) If you've seen any of those reproductions Uh that he did on Marilyn Monroe, I think even Mick Jagger and Mal, you could look around the edges of the sheet. Uh huh. And they're yellow. Are they really? And they're yellow. It wasn't well. You know, we. You know, I supplied Andy with with board. Uh, as a matter of fact, we made what was called Rising Museum board. Uh-huh. We still have Rising Museum board. Uh-huh. That's our brand. But we also have what we call Lennox One Hundred board. Ah, yeah. And Andy used Lennox One Hundred Thirty Two by Forty. Really? Two ply thirty point board for. An, an enormous amount of his editions. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Huh. A lot of his prints, a lot of his silkscreen prints were on Lennox board. Oh, very cool. To that point, museum board is not only for matting art. Mm-hmm. 
it's a great surface mm-hmm. for working in in graphite or even colored pencil. Yeah, yeah. There's some artists I you know I could name that work on museum board. And they love it. Yeah, you know, and, yeah they and do. what they love about it is that you can get it all the way up to 120 point, which mm-hmm. is like an eight ply. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's like it's like sheetrock, John. Yeah, yeah. It's like sheetrock. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's great to work on too. Stonehenge Aqua, which is a uh, brother sister, whatever you want to call it, you know, to the that's a newer paper line, right? Seven years, maybe okay. eight years ago, I came out with Stonehenge Aqua because I felt the range, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, you know the pedigree of Stonehenge needed a little bit of a, a family, okay. so I, I came out with Stonehenge Aqua. So, um, so what makes it watercolor. okay? So, what makes it part of that uh, pedigree of Stonehenge? Well, that was that was a marketing. That was okay. that was basically a marketing okay. thing. I mean, I gotcha. figured that Stonehenge such had such pedigree in the industry, you know, in the market. Yeah. You know, world, world, literally worldwide, John. So okay. I said, you know what? You know, we're making watercolor paper. Let's give it. Let's give it the Stonehenge branding. Mm-hmm. And there's another Stonehenge down the road that I'm not going to even talk about now because it's too premature. Because mm. the paper's in the process of being made, probably in the next couple of weeks. Oh, wow. That will be for a totally different medium, but okay. it'll have the Stonehenge branding. Gotcha. That that's another conversation. Okay. <laughs> but well, as it relates to the Stonehenge Aqua, uh-huh. I mean, let's just get back yeah, on yeah. That let's for a let's talk about it. <clears throat> you know, I keep bringing up Wendy because you know Wendy is you know she put me really through the test. Botanical artists love to work on smooth papers. Mm-hmm. Because the the detail is so crucial to them. Yeah, well, a lot of colored pencil artists like like Same, doing that as yeah. well. Yeah, and and Stonehenge as a as a you know the Stonehenge drawing and print paper uh-huh. wasn't smooth enough for her. Okay, she wanted something that was really a true hot press surface, like a watercolor paper. Yeah, right, right. So you know, I gave her God, I must have given her about six or seven sheets, and the thing that you know went all the way to the top was Stonehenge Aqua HP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've heard comments from a, n- a number of people that they've tried it and colored pencil on it is just, I don't know whether you've tried it, John, but it, it's incredible. The hot I have, stone I have not tried incredible. that one. What I, what I did try was, um, uh, I was sent some cold press black, um, aqua paper. Right. And, and guess what? A few years it's ago. now available in hot press. Black. Well, that, that would be something that I'd be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very, <clears throat> Um, compelling to me. By the way, like you know, that. anybody, anybody that's listening or, or watching, <clears throat> if they want to try any of these samples, we have a sample program mm. that we can get samples out, you know, just, you know, emailing us and, and we'll get some samples out to the. Oh, very cool. Yeah. They just need to email, uh, they go can to the email, about they can page email, and- um, they can email info at legionpaper.com. Oh, very cool. Well, thank you, Michael, for that. Yeah. All right, so I'll put the uh, the link to the email there in the uh, show notes, guys. Yeah, so, so that was Stonehenge Aqua. Yeah, and then you mentioned Stonehenge Black, which is now the latest uh, product that we came out. Okay, with, you know, and uh, doing unbelievably well. Now, why, if you don't mind me just expanding on that? Yeah, for no, a please. Yeah. So why did I come out with a black watercolor paper? Right. Of all things. Yeah. Black, hundred percent cotton. Watercolor paper. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was, yeah. What? To my, I woke up in the middle of the night screaming with this. I said, I said, 
with the with the introduction, and this has been going on for a few years. Uh-huh. With and I'll mention names. I mean, you can talk about the wind. You can talk about you can talk about Faber Castile. You can uh-huh. talk about Prismacolor. They all, ha- and you can go into the watercolors. You can talk about Daniel Smith watercolors. Uh-huh. You can talk about Holbein. You can talk about uh, you know Sakura. They all came out with a range of metallic, pearlescent, uh, yeah. and iridescent colors. Right, right. Well, when you think about it, think about what color would really make these these metallics and iridescence and pearlescence really pop. Yeah. yeah. And the answer is black. Yeah, absolutely. Black. Yeah. And and if if anybody goes to my website and looks at it, because you know, we post so much work on our website and also on our Instagram and also on our, you know, Facebook page. Right. Uh, right. On all the platforms. Um the images are just incredible. Yeah, they really they are. are. You know, and it's again listening to the market and mm-hmm. doing stuff that the market has never seen or desires, and, you know, wants. I really and, love and black hundred percent cotton fiber was a void. There was, no yeah. one was doing it. Yeah. So I figured, you know what? Let me try it. Mm-hmm. Again, I had to show the mill how to make it. Mm-hmm. I love because the fact I that you wanted- keep coming back to uh, you're listening to the market. You do listen to artists. In 100%. fact, guys, if you don't know this, Michael actually hosts a uh, a program on YouTube, I believe, right? I, for the love of art. For the love of art. And uh, it's it's a good program. I've caught it a couple times. Uh, I think you do it live. Is that right? Or I do it. I do it live. Okay. And I try to do it, you know, John. I try to do it once every two weeks. Okay. I wasn't sure about. And the we've had yeah. some. We've had some incredible guys on. Yeah. Uh, we've had Wendy on. We've had um, uh, Spohn. We've had um, Franz Spohn on. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll a, put a link to that in the show notes as well to yeah, uh, Michael's I mean, really, channel I mean, over there. And you know what? what? What's great about it, you know, being, I'm not going to say being cooped up in my home office, but, you <laughs> but know. Cooped up in your home it, office. <laughs> it, well, I mean, it just, it, you know, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a very, very long time. I really, I mean, and. That pandemic helped ha- make it happen. <laughs> you know, I, more opportune time than yeah. now. I mean, God. Right, I mean, right. It, it's perfect. It really, it was a perfect timing for it. Did you start it over I, the summer of 2020 or? No, I, I, it, I started it really. Wow. I don't remember when I did my first one. I okay. think I was, I'm not sure. God, it was om- maybe almost a year ago. God. No, oh, well. Really? Well, if you like this program, guys, I'm telling you, you're going to like that program as well, obviously. Uh, if you it's, like. It's a lot of information yeah. pushing you across the table in an hour, John. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really but is. It's a lot of fun. And, Very and, cool. And by the way, it's it's there's a lot to be learned, mm-hmm. and it's not only it's not only colored pencil, and it's right. not only watercolor. Right. It's book binding. Yeah, it's I saw screen. that one. It's that was etching. very interesting. It's it's platinum printing. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I saw it's the the book binding one. Out there. I thought that was every medium out. There. Pretty fascinating. Okay, yeah, it's cool. Very cool. It's a lot of fun. All right, so we um, posted a question over in Monthly Sharpener, and I want to look at some of these questions here. I think you and I addressed a couple of these already, but let me just make sure. So we got one here from Brenda. She said, would be interesting to know the recommendation for storing paper before use. For example, is it okay to keep in the plastic large wrap sheets that it comes in? Any thoughts on that? I mean, that's a for colored pencil he's right? just talking about storing it so yeah the, the plastic is inert i mean yeah. the paper is totally archival i mean yeah. is it can it be stored in in plastic yeah i mean i i you know i mean look 
when I talk to printmakers, mm-hmm. you know, there's a term out there, and it's no different, you know, with Stonehenge. There's a term out there, and everybody can look it up to, just to make sure that I'm telling the truth. <laughs> there's a term out there called hygroscopic. What's it mean? What does it mean? Yeah. It is the ability to take on and give off moisture. Oh, okay. And cotton fiber papers have the ability to take on and give off moisture. Sure. So if you are a, I'll give you a for instance, and we talked about it on some of our webinars with silkscreen printers. If you're a silkscreen printer and you're printing a hundred and a hundred plus colors, right, and you need to have perfect registration, mm-hmm. you need to know that that paper is not going to, you know, stretch, contract. I mean, it's mm-hmm. gonna, it's gonna be. It's going to be dimensionally as stable as it can possibly be. Right. Which is why I encourage all my printers, whatever the, whatever the medium that they're, that they're doing, whether it be silkscreen or intaglio or, or whatever, take the paper out mm-hmm. regardless of where it's going. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the paper could be going to the Amazon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, wherever. Take the paper out. Let it breathe and let it adjust to the environment that it just arrived in. Mm-hmm. Don't take it out of the wrap and throw it right on a press. Mm-hmm. You, you would be doing yourself an incredible disservice, mm-hmm. really, because it's it's not it's not acclimated to the new environment. And I guess the same would hold true. I mean, not so much with colored pencil because that's a kind of a manual, hands-on situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, John, you've worked on it. You don't have a lot of you know, you know, instability of the sheet, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no. I mean, you you can, uh, you know, use too much solvent, or if you're using a watercolor base, you could use too much water or something like that. I found, and I think most color pencil artists uh, would agree that if you tape it down, then it will go back into its original uh, shape. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. And by the cool. way, and by the way, taping taping down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be done very carefully. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah, mean, I, you know, everybody says that, you know, you know, masking tape and, you know, sometimes I pull the tape off and I'm pulling off the fiber of the sheet. You only have to well, do that one a, time to learn little, not, not to do it. Has it way. ever happened to you? <laughs> uh, very early on, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I used tape that was too strong and I left it on there too long. So, well, yeah. there's a little secret. Okay. A little bit of a trick. Okay. A little trick. Um, First of all, there's a tape out there called soft tape. Uh-huh. I, I think it's a Holbein product. Okay. Okay. It's called soft tape. Huh. Um, very low tack, John. Uh-huh. Very low tack. Yeah. But here's the here's the little secret. Here's a little trick. You got tape down, whether it be on you know masking out or for a watercolor or for a right. colored pencil. You're right. holding the paper down on a board. You take a hair blower. Take a hair blower on a very low heating. Speed, mm-hmm. not right up to the tape, mm-hmm. you know, about six, seven, eight inches away. Mm-hmm. And then you pull the tape off, not like a band-aid, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you pull it off to the side very slowly. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, you will not pull off fiber. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just warming up that doing, adhesive a little bit and yeah, then pull it, it away from your artwork. I always do exactly. that. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. And you're softening the adhesion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't even answer your question. Is it safe to put it in plastic? Oh, well, I, I think we, I think we addressed I think it's okay. That. I think it's okay. Yeah. Oh, this is cool. So Lori Dixon uh, said that uh, one of her artworks was featured on your Instagram page. 
So that's cool. I, I know that uh, Maria Wilson's uh, artwork was also right. featured. Maria, so yes. very cool. A couple of students. She is so talented. Uh, wow. Isn't she, though? Unbelievable. They, they both are. Uh, all right. So another question here. Let me see. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. With hemp and bamboo, do these blends offer the paper a chance to hold up? But over time, because of uh, stronger... Let me see how she's wording that. I think what she's mean. Do these papers offer the paper a chance to hold up better over time because of stronger fiber composition? Are the fibers well, stronger it, than cotton? Bamboo is a very strong fiber, by the way. That, that's kind and of a newer a, thing, though, that you um, started adding, right? I mean, or have you always? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. We, we added hemp, some hemp, okay. and the bamboo is the bamboo has been around, you know, with me for a while. Okay, it really has. Um, and, and by the way, it, it's such a hard fiber bamboo. Mm -hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, wood flooring mm -hmm. made out of bamboo mm -hmm. is, I mean, I mean, flooring, not wood flooring, but flooring right. made out of bamboo is harder than wood. Ah, interesting. Harder than wood. Did not know that. Uh, and, um, it is such a hard fiber that when we, when we manufacture it, we put in 10% cotton. To make to, to soften it up a little. Ah, uh, okay. Hm. Yeah. Now, from an archival standpoint, it is totally archival. Okay. Totally archival. Totally acid free. Absolutely, will stand the test of time. Okay. Okay. The reason for adding it is just some strength to uh, a particular paper, different texture, or all the above. <laughs> um, you mean you mean adding what bamboo or well, adding bamboo, and then we'll talk about hemp, I guess, or well, unless they're you know, the same. We were talking about ecology being ecological, you know, being really renewable, thinking about thing. the yeah. environment. Okay, you know, but um, so we came out, you know, we came out with a bamboo product. I okay. mean, it, you know, it, it's been around for easily fifteen years. Okay, easily fifteen years. Ah, interesting. Yeah. But what about the hemp? Same thing. Or? Um, we are experimenting with the hemp oh, now. Okay. Yeah, we're experimenting with the hemp. Uh, I was bringing in a hemp paper uh, from India mm -hmm. uh, that was handmade, um, <clears throat> and now we're experimenting with um, hemp paper as a result of you know just the whole and you know the whole cert you know the whole that whole environment you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All righty. Uh, very cool. Well, cannabis is is just it's really huge. It's a huge market, John. Uh -huh. So. Okay. Caribbean market is really big and, yeah. you know, not to recognize it and try and come out with a product from a packaging standpoint, especially for packaging, to come out with a hemp, yeah, yeah. you know, derivative right. would be, would, would have been silly not to do it. So you're going to come and out with it. And by the way, it's mm -hmm. not an, it's not an easy paper to make because the fiber is not an easy fiber. Mm, okay. <clears throat> okay. From a refinement standpoint. Oh, okay. Interesting. So what about CBD oil? I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> you, John, I use it. I, mean, <laughs> oh, okay. you know, I use it on my back. I hear it does uh, some miraculous things. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so it, it really, it really helps. I, yeah, I don't take it. I've heard. I don't take it orally, but yeah. I, but I use it as a, um, you know, as a massage thing. Right. Yeah. Right. It's pretty good. It's pretty cool. Awesome. All right. So we'll get back to paper here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you an artist? You know, uh, I'm an abstract artist. Okay. Um, 
What's, what's really funny is that I was, uh, <clears throat> I started painting and drawing when I was nine years old. And I was going, I was going to go to an art school. Yeah. And, um, and my mother said to me, what are you kidding? I said, how are you going to make any money? I said, what are you, what are you doing? You, you'll starve, Michael. You can't. And I said, mom, but you know, I really like drawing. I, yeah. you know, I like art. So, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, there, there's, there's a whole situation behind that story. You know, okay. I gave my, <clears throat> in high school, I gave my portfolio to a, a young lady's mom mm-hmm. that I was going out with in high school. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I never saw my portfolio again when I broke up with her. Portfolio just disintegrated, and, and mind you, I, I really wish I had that portfolio now to show to my kids. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm talking about hundreds oh, of wow. pieces of art. Wow, hundreds, and and it hurts me. It yeah. really hurts oh, me. Yeah. Some of those pieces were fabulous. Yeah, but you know, to your original yeah, question, that's really sad. Um, I wish I could paint more, uh-huh. uh, but. You know, what I'm really finding more enjoyable right now, and I, I you know, I got time to paint. I, you know, I'll, I'll find more time to paint. Uh-huh. But I'm still creating product, John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this new paper that we're coming out with in the uh, last quarter of this year is going to be really, really cool. Mm. It's going to be a really cool Stonehenge product. And um, it really piqued our interest on that. So I can't wait to see what that yeah. is. Well, I'll it's get you samples. It's going to be for a totally different medium. Mm, mm-hmm. Totally different medium. Mm. It's going to be really cool. Awesome. All right. So, other than that paper, I mean, what, um, you know, what, what else is going on? Like, what you've been, you've been at this a long, long time, if I may say so. What, yeah. what is going on in the future? I mean, what, um, you know, what are you looking forward to? Are you going to retire soon, or what? You just keep doing this, or what are you doing? Well, I, what am I going to do with myself? I'll, what are you going to do with yourself? I guess, I, guess, I guess what I'll have to do is I'll be painting more, maybe. I don't know. Um, so I don't have a plan to retire okay, right now. Okay. Um, but I still have ideas. I still, there, there's, you know, our pad range, mm-hmm. our Stonehenge pad range, yeah. our UPO. Yeah. UPO, you know, we didn't talk about UPO. Yeah, we, we should talk, talk about, about UPO. That's, you know, UPO is a polypropylene paper that, it found its way into the art into the art world. Now, is I mean, it put, is it sort of a competitor to like the the graphics lines of of uh, drafting film and Duralar or something like totally, that? Totally, totally, totally different. How so? Totally, totally, How I mean, so? It could be. It could. They both could be polypropylene yeah, based. Yeah. But the UPO has got again. I I talk about pedigree. Uh-huh. It's got a name. It's got performance. It's got a, a reputation, a proven reputation out in the market. Who uses it mostly? Works, works, works for watercolor. Okay. I mean, you know, depending upon the whether it's a staining color or not a staining color, but you know, you make a mistake, you can wash it right off. Yeah. The, I mean, it, it'll Upo will take alcohol inks okay. unbelievably well. I mean, of course, the alcohol dries, and you're left with the you know with the uh, <clears throat> with the coloration yeah. on, the, on the sheet, which you can't get off. But um, it found its way. I mean, there are people out there. Sandy Sandy is one of our, you know, part of our focus group. You know, she's she's a Yupo artist and okay. does some incredible, incredible work on Yupo. Watercolor or what, what does she use? She's a she's an artist. Uh, a, a, uh, her name is Sandy mm-hmm. Sandy. Does she use uh, watercolor on it? or She uses watercolor, watercolor? and okay. she uses alcohol ink. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. 
Very cool. Yeah. Her name is Sandy. Sandy? Say, uh, her last name is Sandy. Her first name is Sandy. I, ah, I question She's so lucky. Time. All right. <laughs> I, all right. I've, I've got the most boring. You and I both. We've got the most boring name to for anyone to ever remember, you know. Michael, John. Well, yeah. You know. Uh, all right. So, but, but the UPO, the U, look, yeah, just getting back to the UPO, the UPO <laughs> has become, it found its way into the market and it's really there to stay. Unbelievable. Really incredible. Okay. Do you know of any color pencil artists that, uh, are currently using UPO? I've, I've heard some mention it from time to time. Um, I've got some. I, I didn't know um, if you knew of any that are I don't, currently uh, using it. Not, not, not really. Okay. No, okay. Not really. I'm just, just I mean, wondering. All right. Um, yeah. I really like there's there's something on your website that I I really enjoy, uh, and that is this little area where you can find a paper. Talk about you can decide the brand. You can decide the color family. You can decide yeah. what it's suitable for. Uh, that I just going through that little, uh, algorithm there and doing a search. I think that is a fascinating idea. Well, we did that, you know, we, we, what we tried to do, John, we tried to make our website like an encyclopedia mm -hmm. for artists, mm -hmm. you know, to make it as user friendly as sense. we possibly could. Yeah. And you can put in, if you're looking for a certain color, yeah. if you're looking for a certain size of a sheet. If you're yeah. looking for large, you know, I mean, and what is whatever. suitable for? I love that. That is, yeah, it's, a, you know, we, I don't know of any other break it down. companies doing that. Maybe there it, are, but I don't know if any. Well, we try to break it down and make it really as easy as possible to yeah. navigate. Yeah. Very, very and, nice. And by the way, I mean, if, you know, I invite everybody that's watching or listening to go to the website yeah. and check it out. I mean, the descriptions that I wrote for most of these grades are, you know, it, it's really, it's really a learning process. Mm -hmm. You know, it talks about the pH factor, talks about the sizes, talks about decals, mm -hmm. talk, there's a, there's a glossary on there mm -hmm. that defines, you know, some of the terms that are common in the industry. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, they can always, you know, they can always, uh, email us, you know, an info at, you know, legionpaper.com. Yeah. It, it is, uh, yeah. It's actually a good, a good afternoon or more if you just go to, uh, the blog, or you go to our mills. I love that uh, particular area. So uh, yeah. you guys are very transparent about the mills that you're using. And, and that's not, and, and John, that, you know, we represent, wow, we represent close to 50 manufacturers in, in, the, in the world. That's impressive. So we don't list every single mill. I mean, obviously. Yeah, that, that's impressive. Yeah. And uh, producing over, I read over 3,000 papers. I thought, I thought I read it one time somewhere. Over there was three, over, over 4,000, but it's over, over 3,000. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. That, over 3,000 different types. That's amazing. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, and, and the important thing is, you know, there are so many different products out there, yeah. you know, and, and to the point that we, when we first started, mm -hmm. and, you know, in terms of, in terms of the medium being a very subjective medium, you know, is it is and and I know Stonehenge works. It's inc it's an incredible range of product. Yeah, both in the in the drawing product, right. as well as the aqua product, mm -hmm. the watercolor paper. Mm -hmm. But you know, we have so many different papers out there that Coventry Rag, Coventry Rag, mm. a paper that I made in 1971 for an artist. He was actually an illustrator by the name of Erte. Did you ever hear the name? No, Erte? no. He was a up. fashion illustrator. Okay. And he would lay down 
125 colors silkscreen. Oh, wow. And he needed a paper that was very dimensionally stable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I built a, a, a range of products called Coventry Rag mm. for silkscreen, for serograph art. Oh, wow. And he found it, fell in love with it, and that's all he ever used. But, you know. How, so how long did that take you to build that paper? Oh, man. You know, that. look, again, it, you know, going back to it, you don't flip a switch and yeah, all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you have what you want. Trials, yeah. testing. You know, I have a focus group. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about it. I said I, even, I would even make you part of my colored pencil focus group, John. We have a focus group that when I have an outturn from a mill mm -hmm. that I'm testing and I want tested to find out good, bad, or indifferent. Right, right. Yes, it works. No, it doesn't work. I don't, I don't, look, I don't profess to be the end all and yeah. the know all. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's very much in, in your, you, the artist, in your hands to tell me, Michael, you have a winner. Michael, this really works. And it's not only you individually. Yeah. That's a recurring a theme I keep, I keep hearing. It's a, it's a exactly. That, that you, it's a group you of go people. to the market. A, and I, I, I love that. Uh, that that's, how you're arriving at these uh, iterations in the products. I love that so well, much. Well, you know, that's absolutely true. And I will not come to market that is not what I call press proof. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I won't do it. Right, right. I just won't do it. If the market doesn't tell me that, Michael, this paper is unbelievable, mm -hmm. when, when will it be available? I'm not, I'm not going to bring it to market. I'm just not going to do it. See, I thought I read somewhere, uh, on your website, um, on one of these pages, I thought I read somewhere that, uh, if you don't like, if you don't find a paper that you, uh, love or something, we'll make it for you or something like that. And I thought, well, we'll what in the world? To, well, no, he, uh, to, to that question. Yeah. Okay. Or to that point that we make on our website, we have the ability because we work with so many different mills worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. And mills, certain mills have the ability to make what we call, and not to a, necessarily to an artist, mm -hmm. but they, they have the ability to make a small run, like a metric ton, which is only 2,200 pounds. Now, 2,200 pounds to a commercial mill here in the United States is like one quarter of what their minimums would be. Uh, okay. Most mills here in the United States won't make less than 10, 20,000 pounds. Uh. They won't do it. Mm. So we have mills worldwide, mm -hmm. <clears throat> a couple here in the United States, that will tailor make a paper for me. Mm -hmm. Not only tailor make the paper, the finish. You know, you got a Benjamin Moore swatch card. Mm -hmm. Send me the color. Mm. I'll match it. Mm. Send me the color. I'll, right, I'll right. match the color. Yeah. That's I mean, impressive. look, I mean, it's all, you know, John, it's all digital. Yeah. It's all coloration is digital. Yeah, right. You know, is it easy? No. Right. Certain colors are more difficult than others, but we do it. We do it all the time. We're constantly matching colors for people, mm, wow. not necessarily for the colored pencil market. Yeah, but we're constantly matching colors for people. That's yeah. impressive. It really is. Bleach and paper. We are paper. I love it. What happened? during 2020 what happened during the pandemic uh scary time yeah very scary time we, look we're still living in it as a matter of fact i share this with you i mean then i'll, I'll answer your question directly mm. i was talking to a customer of mine in toronto uh today that city is still on lockdown uh, 
Didn't know that. Wow. They are still on lockdown. Restaurants, retail stores, mm -hmm. you can't budge. Yeah, they are spiking up there in Canada. I, 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 I mean, that. it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And, and look, you know, I'm sure Trudeau has done the best that he can with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he has. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that everybody out and, and watching mm -hmm. is uh, is healthy and, right. and taking good care of themselves yeah, and being very, very careful. Sure. I mean, that's important. Right. But um, the pandemic was scary. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that every industry, the footprint is going to change dramatically. Mm -hmm. It will never be the same as it was. Right. Ever. Right. Never be the same. I mean, some of my favorite restaurants... You know, in New York City, I mean, it, it, it's it's heart wrenching mm -hmm. when I when I drive down, you know, some of the streets in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. You know, the boarded up, right? I mean, just only boarded right, up, right? Um, and what they're doing in, and I'm sure it's true of major cities, you know, across the country, mm -hmm. and maybe even even worldwide. Mm -hmm. What they're doing now, and uh, and a lot of it came as a result of restaurants expanding out into the sidewalk. To, to be able to have diners, right, you know, right. diners oh, and yeah. continue their business. They are closing streets they, mm -hmm. to vehicular traffic. Mm -hmm. New York City is big time with that. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you drive down a street in New York City that you once were able to go both ways, right. close, tables and chairs. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you, I love that part of it. It makes it a little bit more embracing, yeah. a little bit more social, right, right. and a little bit more inviting, mm -hmm. to be honest with mm -hmm. you. But look, how is it, you know, I can't say that it has not affected business. It has. Um, I'm sure it's affected a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, unless you're Walmart or, or Amazon, Amazon yeah. or, you know. But look, um, share this with a lot of my friends. You know, we talk about it. You're an executive and you're locked in your home office. Mm -hmm. All right. Take a look at the pieces behind mm -hmm. me. That's a friend of mine mm -hmm. that did those, an artist who passed away about eight years ago, mm. Michael Kanegan. But you're, you're an executive and, you, and you're working at home and you're spending six to eight hours in your home office. Right. And you, you, you've never really noticed the print behind you <laughs> or you never really noticed the, the couch color <laughs> or you never really noticed how ugly the pillows were on the sofa or the color of the wall. wall. Mm -hmm. And you say to your wife, honey, why did we paint that wall that color? <laughs> That is ugly. Let's change the let's change that piece of art. Let's get better pillows. Yeah. So what am I saying? Some companies really flourished during this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, wave, you know, um uh, what what's the name of the company? Um well, Home Depot without a doubt. Wayfair? Is but that what Wayfair. Yeah. Okay. Um you know, companies you know that dealt in home oh, furnishings. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, they Killed it, right? They're killing right. it. But a lot of They're our art re retailers uh, really struggled during this time, and uh, I'm sure supply chain uh, was affected. So I'm sure that affected uh, Legion Paper a little bit, right? Well, you you know what has affected us is the um, <laughs> it's it's funny what what that's really affecting us now is the inability to get open get containers, mm -hmm. you know, for mills to have right. containers. To, I mean, there's a scarcity. Yeah, of, that, that of is containers. an odd thing. I, I'm not sure it's if weird. I even understand got, why that is, but yeah. And it's got nothing to do with what happened at the Suez Canal at, at all. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, I, I mean, the queuing, 
the, and ports, mm-hmm. you know, the ports on both coasts right. are jammed right, right. with trying to get in and trying to get yeah. out. Containers, I mean, I'm I'm delayed, yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes two to three weeks right. with bringing in product from Europe. Right, right. And same as, and exporting as well. Mm-hmm. Exporting as well. Mm-hmm. It has affected every facet of business mm-hmm. without a Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, but, you're not you know, alone in that. I, I certainly get no, that, but, yeah. But there are there are, there are segments of our business, John, that have um, our our pad line, mm-hmm. our pad line, because people are staying home, right? Right. You know, they're looking. You know, looking for activities. I mean, the, what's what's what is more suitable than a whole bunch of you know a good art pad? Mm-hmm. You know, a product. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Any any closing words that you want to say to anybody who mm-hmm. is thinking about purchasing uh, some Legion papers, some Stonehenge, or trying out the um, the Aqua hot press paper, right. the brand new stuff, <clears throat> the Upo, um, and they've not done it before. We have a link over there on the website for the uh, samples, and you talked about that. Any anything else that you want to just say in closing? Well, the only thing I would say is that whether you're an amateur or a professional, mm-hmm. you want to use the best products you can. You want to use permanents. You want to take. You want to take again. You want to you want to use what works best for you. Yeah. Don't compromise your art at all. Don't compromise your art. If if you compromise your art and you're using, you know, inexpensive or you know newsprint for argument's sake, you know, don't work on a paper that you know in ten years is going to turn yellow. You don't want to do right. that. Make sure that the papers are totally archival. There's so many different products in, in, in our line that, that, you know, you can sample and try. And, and that's the, and that's the whole key. Yeah. Try a bunch of different products for your style mm-hmm. and for your hand because everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody is different. And, okay. and, and John, I'm sure it's true when, when you use colored pencils. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you found a, a color range that you like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's so many different brands out there that I'm sure you've tried them all. Yeah, unfortunately. you tried them all? Yeah. I've got I think hundreds, the artist yeah. owes themselves, they, they're doing themselves a disservice by not experimenting with a total, a, a, I'm not saying 20 or 30. Find yourself a half a dozen different substrates or surfaces yeah. that you feel good about, and you can get them all for me. I mean, mm-hmm. and try them out and see what works best. Right. Ah, That's I love my it. advice. I love it. Very good. Very, very good. Yeah, and you can get them all from uh, Michael's website. I love that. Well, thanks, Michael, so much. I really appreciate your time. John, you invite, I'll tell you what, you invite me back and I'll come back. We'll talk about some more stuff. <laughs> okay, there we go. But but I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much, uh, John. Thank you. And guys, again, go check out uh, Michael's YouTube channel. It's you know, if if you are creating artwork, I know you guys write to me and tell me that you're listening to the podcast while you're creating artwork. So this is something you can listen to and just glance at once in a while uh, and have that YouTube channel playing in the background there. That's what I've done with it. Uh, plan on watching some more of those as well while I'm creating artwork. So awesome. This is a weekly show. comes out every Monday morning. If you're enjoying the show consider leaving a rating and or a review i would appreciate that share it with someone else you can reach out podcast at sharpenedartist.com and we'll talk to you again next week and until then stay sharp take care bye-bye 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.